Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, They always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello, and welcome to Blizzard Watch, the podcast where we watch Blizzard and its many games. And I'm your host, Matt Rossi, and with me this week is my fantastic co-host, Ann Stickney. And um, usually I ask what you've been up to, but I feel like maybe narrowing the focus might be good here. What have you been doing in-game? Um, In-game. Not a lot, actually. I'm, like, on the Eternal Dagger hunt. Like, that's legit the only thing that I'm after right now is daggers. Because everything else that I have is either 355 on up as far as item level goes. Most of my stuff is 370. Um, but I still have a few pieces that are like 355, 360. And then my daggers are still down at like 330. Because I cannot find anything better. And LFR is not being my friend. Nothing is being my friend right now. So I'm like, okay, well, that's just how this is going to work. It just, it feels bad (laughs) when you're a damage dealing class and everything that you do is kind of based off of how powerful your weapons are, yet you can't, for the life of you, get a decent set of weapons. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I, I do. I mean, I got lucky in that I've actually got pretty solid weapons on my main. Yeah. But, yeah, it's... But I, you I play a warrior. Pl- are you doing warrior or death knight right now? Uh, the warrior is my main. Death knight is kind of my tank. When I feel like tanking stuff, I go in on the death knight. The death knight has, like, a 350 weapon. The uh, the warrior has a 380 main hand and a 370 offhand. See, and but the thing is, is, like... time to get those. Yeah, but the thing is, is, like... You play what spec are you? Uh, the warrior is either Fury or Arms, depending on how I feel. I and switch between the two. How many different weapon types can you use? <laughs> well, I mean, they all two, they all have to be two-handed. But right. Yeah, I can use a two-handed mace, sword, st- uh, polearm, or a staff. For a while, I was actually using a staff as my main weapon because it was a three forty staff. Really? That was my main weapon. Oh, yeah, for a long time. I had a strength staff with 300, 340. That was what I used all the way through Aldir. 
uh, until finally we started doing heroic gold there and I got upgrades. Uh, that's that's the only way I got upgrades was we we started running heroic old deer. Before that, nothing. I couldn't get a weapon drop out of old deer to save my life, so I used the 340 staff from quests forever. Um, it was one of the ones that dropped from an emissary, actually, as I recall. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Okay, so see, you have like options here, though. Cause oh yeah, it's have, true. Like... I don't have to wait for a dagger and nothing. You know, <laughs> it, that's... it has to be a dagger. Not only it has to, it just has to be a dagger. That's all. It has to be a dagger. Yeah, and it's really weird because they made it so rogues could use axes and fist weapons and all that, and then they made daggers necessary for various ro- rogue abilities. Well, it's here's like, the thing. Why did you broaden open okay. what they could equip if, if you can't use if... them? If you are outlaw, you can use several different weapon types. If you are assassination, it's just daggers. And I believe subtlety is the same way, although I couldn't tell you for sure because I haven't played subtlety in a while. But I believe it's the same thing with subtlety where daggers, that's it. You can just use daggers. And But that's because they made the the, the strikes use the yeah. daggers, right? Yeah, Which if, is, I, if I want to use mutilate... How hard is if, that to fix? If I want to use mutilate... I have to have daggers equipped and mutilate is like that's like one of the big abilities <laughs> if i use in venom i have to have daggers <laughs> like that's just it's how the class works in that particular spec and i keep hearing the same story over and over again about how oh well you know assassination it's a class fantasy thing and, and of course you're going to use daggers and i'm like would you just like an option. Just give me one other option. That's all I need. Like, one other option. You know all those fist weapons you keep throwing at me that I can't use because they're actually for outlaw and they're not for me? Let me use those as assassination. I could see an assassin using a fist weapon. Why not? There's nothing... Yeah. I just, Club them in the don't... back of the head or use a clawed one. Yeah, just there's... use the claws to, like, you know, stab them or whatever. It's fine. It works. It's okay. The assassin in Diablo, the Diablo 2 assassin... Yeah. uses clawed fist weapons. Yeah, I know. This is part of the reason why I'm like leaning heavier on fist weapons than anything else. Because, I mean, okay, I get it with the swords because some of the swords in World of Warcraft are gigantic and you can't exactly, when you think about it, logically speaking, you can't exactly be stealthy when you're carting a sword around. Okay, I get it. Unless it straps over your back because, you know, katanas and things like that. But anyway, regardless, okay, I get it. I get it. I do get it, logistically speaking. I'm just saying from a gameplay standpoint, it feels terrible to be this far into a brand new expansion and still have these puny little toothpicks instead of something that's actually a viable weapon. So do something about it, please and thank you. Okay. But yeah, we should probably, it's been a while, so we should probably start talking about all the things we haven't been talking about for the past yeah. couple of weeks, because um, I don't know if you guys heard, there was this big convention at the beginning of the month. <laughs> well, we got yeah, our uh, lore watch, we got, the, we got yeah. the lore watch portion of BlizzCon coverage out of the way, and then things went kind of hairy before we could get to the Blizzard Watch podcast yeah. portion. Sorry, guys. There's a guys. lot of stuff lined up, um, so, but yeah. We should probably talk about all of it as much as we can. I want to talk about something that's unalloyed positive so far, at least most of the stuff I've seen. Um, they put in Ash, a new hero for Overwatch. If you didn't get a chance to see that, if you, if you, oh, Ash is live now. You can play her. Um, if you didn't know, Ash is voiced by Jennifer Hale, who is one of the best voice actors in the world. Um, one of my favorites. I'm sure she's one of Anne's favorites, too. Um, and, yes, uh, hello. Yeah. <laughs> I love just, her. 
Yeah, she's done a million things. You you have heard her. If you've heard Commander Shepard even once, you've heard Jennifer Hale because she did the voice of Commander Shepard. Um, but yeah, Ash is a weapon-based character, uh, very much so, much more so than almost any other uh, Overwatch hero. I'm trying to think of anybody who's as gun-based as she is. Um, maybe, I guess maybe Widowmaker, you could argue. Widowmaker, yeah. I think Widowmaker... Um... I don't know if I would consider Hanzo like a lot of the damage dealing characters. They're based more heavily on their weapons and stuff, but they, they pointed out at BlizzCon that a lot of the heroes that they've been coming out with recently were focused on like particular skill sets or, you know, doing support or doing, um, kind of tanky type stuff where like with Brigitte, where she could like do protection shields and things like that uh, on top of, slapping the heck out of everybody with her mace which i think is fantastic on every level um she just got nerfed i think or she's about to <laughs> i believe i read something about that in passing uh so yeah ash is one of those characters where they were like let's go ahead and take the focus back to this is a damage dealer with a very particular set of skills and let's focus on that particular set of skills and that weapon that she's carrying around because that weapon is amazing um also bob I love Bob so much. <laughs> yeah, the, let's talk about Bob for a moment because that's that's different. I Her mean, ultimate is amazing. <laughs> yeah, Ash's ultimate is another person. Like, I don't think the I'm I'm pretty sure no other Overwatch heroes ultimate is somebody else shows up. Um, her Bob is a I guess a robot butler for lack of a better word. A robot. He assistant. was. He was her robot. He was her butler. Okay, so Ash, when Ash was, like, Ash was raised in a very wealthy family. Um, her parents were highly sought-out executives that were kind of off on business all the time. And she was essentially raised by Bob, who was her robot butler. And then when she took off and decided to go into the whole life of crime thing, of course Bob came with her. So he's kind of like a protector, but he's also um, kitted out with some pretty impressive amounts of firepower all on his own. And he punches. And yeah, it's kind of cool. We haven't, the closest we've had to anything like that is um, Hanzo, his dragons. But his dragons don't actively do anything. His dragons are just kind of like, they're dragons that come out, they go in a straight line, they don't chase anybody, they don't, it's just a straight line path, right? Bob is more like an AI that is working in conjunction with your character. And it's kind of interesting that they went this route with it too, because um, one of the things that I kind of speculated when Brigitte was still kind of on the table was that, um, do you remember the blueprints that they showed? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, I do. so on the blueprints, they had like the jetpack cat and everybody was freaking out because they thought, oh my gosh, is jetpack cat going to be a thing? I thought maybe they would bring out Brigitte and her ultimate would be jetpack cat. Like he would come out and do things for her and that kind of thing. And that would be kind of cool. Um, that did not come to pass. Um, it didn't make Brigitte any less cool, though, because she's still really cool. She's still really fun to play. Um, talk to me after I actually get a chance to look at those nerves and I'll tell you if I still have that same opinion. But um, I like that they decided to try this out with another character, even if it wasn't Brigitte. Um, also, I just love Ash. I think she's a really cool character. I think it's cool that McCree has a foil. And I think that it's kind of cool that we got a little bit more of a glimpse into McCree's backstory. It wasn't enough to like, you know, 
answer any major, major questions. Mostly it raised a lot of questions, particularly that whole bit at the end with the robot in the egg. Yeah, I Echo, mean, I believe her name is. Echo. Is yes. Yeah. Echo. That's 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 what Kaplan called her anyway, was Echo. So it's like Okay, so we're sitting here, we're watching these guys do this gunfight and everything, and it's really cool, and Ash is really cool, and then we have this Omnic pulling a Gaga in, like, an egg on the payload, and McCree has the little chip thing to make her come to life, and then he just leaves her there and says, go find go find Overwatch. Just go find Overwatch, because they, they said they wanted me, but they really need you, so you go do your thing. And that's it, and it left it right there. And I'm like, wait, what? What just happened? <laughs> Well, I also thought it was interesting that the, the short heavily implies that McCree set the whole thing up with the, uh, oh, bloody heck, I can't remember the name of the gang. What's the name of the gang? The Deadlock Gang. Yeah, he's the one that tipped the Deadlock Gang off about the train in the first place. Yeah. So they'd attack it and, you know, he'd be able to get to the container, which implies that he couldn't get to it on his own or didn't want to be seen doing so. There's something going on there. Well, the cool part to me that I find um, mystifying and I hope I'm assuming that we're going to get this cleared up over the course of the next year or so. I'm pretty sure now Kaplan did say very specifically that Echo will not be hero number 30 for Overwatch. They are looking, they are interested in somehow incorporating her into the game as a hero at some point in the future. They're kind of hopeful that they can do that at some point, but she's not going to be hero number 30, which tells me they already have hero number 30 deep in development and they're working with it and they know what it is, whatever it happens to be. I guess we'll find that out in a few months, probably beginning of next year. That seems to be like a good time for them to announce more new stuff. I don't know. Yeah, I would I would assume that, yeah. I mean, with with Ash coming out, apparently Ash was a sudden thing. Whereas they were making the video, and they they were they were all like super excited by her design and decided they wanted to make her playable, which was so, great. That's cool. But the the interesting part about it though is that Echo has the Vishkar em- emblem on her forehead from from the Vishkar Corporation, the one that the one that Symmetra works with. Yeah. The one that works with all the hard light technology and all of that. The one that's probably a bad guy, but we haven't really gotten to explore that too much beyond, hey, they were trying to deal with Lumerico and there was some really shady stuff going down with all of that. Oh, and by the way, they were responsible for all the stuff that went down in Rio de Janeiro. And yeah, so it's like, was this Omnic part of Overwatch at all? That's the question that I have right now is, was Echo ever actually part of Overwatch? Or was she somebody that McCree encountered after he left or did he help her escape? Well, whatever you are the one that pointed this out, that whenever they last saw each other, he still had both his hands. Yeah. Yeah. He still had yeah. both his arms. Cause she said, what happened? And if you look at the earlier stuff, the, uh, the stuff from um, retribution, um, the flashback stuff, and any of the flashback material, really, McCree still has both his arms. So he lost his arm at some point, and I'm beginning to wonder if he was even in Overwatch when that occurred, because he left before everything went terrible, if I remember correctly, in his in his uh, all of his character backstory and all that other stuff. It, it said that he was getting really tired of all of the back and forth and the bickering that was going on, so he decided to just take his leave. And it was kind of implied that he did that before all the stuff went down at the Swiss headquarters, where, you know, presumably 
Morrison and Reyes died, quote unquote, air quoting. Anyway, we're going on way too much about this stuff, and it's probably stuff that we could talk about in Lore Watch. But regardless, I don't know. It's all kind of fascinating. I'm really interested in seeing what happens from here, because this is the first step they've taken forward in the story in a while. Um, and this is a legitimate step forward. It's a very small step forward from Recall, but it's still a step forward. And um, I'm hoping that we get more story this year. I say that every year, but I'm really hoping we get more story this year. Speaking of stories being moved forward, then let's talk about Ophelia from Heroes of the Storm. Because for me, this was the, in a way, this was the biggest surprise, even though a lot of people were talking about Ophelia coming in as a playable hero. They did this... This is the first time that the the lore that they've been establishing for Heroes of the Storm actually matters for something. This is the first time it's it means something. Before up till now, it's just been kind of like background stuff that you know, okay, this is happening and we're gonna have a new map like the, the Alterac. Uh, was it called Alterac Valley? It wasn't called Alterac Valley. Alterac Pass. The Alterac Pass map is involved with the Raven, the Raven Lord, and oh, the Dark Nexus, that those Dark Nexus skins are involved, and oh, we're doing this thing with the uh, Lady of Thorns. But now, with Ophelia coming in as a playable character, it kind of takes all that lore they've been establishing for Heroes of the Storm and actually makes it something. Like, now it actually matters to this character. This character is a part of it. It's, it's her backstory. Um, so I thought that was pretty interesting. What did you think? What did you think when you saw Ophelia? I, well, okay, I was expecting, ever since they introduced Ophelia in, like, that first comic when she showed up, I'm like, ah, that's probably going to be the new hero. Because she's just, she's got way too interesting a design for her not to be. And I didn't know what she would do or what capacity, but I figured at some point, if they're going to make anyone a playable hero, it's either going to A, be the Raven Lord, but I don't think they're going to do that because he's the big bad guy, bad guy. Or B, this little girl character who seems fairly unassuming but has an incredible amount of power, which sounds like the sort of thing that would be super fun on a Heroes of the Storm map, right? Um, I loved her trailer, like her trailer introduction. I thought that whole cinematic was really pretty. I kind of understood what was going on because, again, I've been following the comics and everything. I just... I don't know. I think it's neat that they're finally making an original character for Heroes of the Storm. But keep in mind that um, my main investment with most of Blizzard's titles like revolves around the story components behind everything. That's just what hooks me, right? So I can't really speak to gameplay of Heroes of the Storm because I don't play it, really. It's not my genre. I'm not terribly good at it, and I don't want to, you know, go in there and play a game with a bunch of other people when I'm really not very good at this. Like, I'm really not very good at Heroes of the Storm, you guys. So, when they said that they were going to start introducing a story element to Heroes of the Storm, I was really kind of excited because it was something that wasn't there initially in the game. And that's what seems to be the problem with me is that because it wasn't present from day one, it's really hard for me to get invested in the story. The cinematic helped, I think, and kind of brought everything back into perspective. I believe they have another comic coming out shortly, if they haven't had one come out already, that should help push that along a little further. This is just, this is that team's first foray into storytelling. It's not a medium that they were working with with that title before. So the story isn't quite 
hooking me as much as, oh, I don't know, World of Warcraft, which they've been writing for how many years now? Way too many. I mean, yeah, if we talk about Warcraft as a story thing, it's been since right. the nineties. Right. So yeah. So yeah, I'm kind of um I'm interested in seeing where this goes from here. And I like Ophelia, like I like her character design. I like what she can do. I really liked that cinematic. It actually had me rooting for her, which wasn't really something that had been going on as of yet. And I'm interested in seeing where they go further with it. Um and have you seen her abilities and stuff like on the battlefield? I just yeah, okay. I don't up. play the game that much, but I do like watching the streams and the comps and you know the competitions and things like that. I can't wait to see her in like tournament gameplay and that kind of thing because I think it would be really entertaining. The uh, thing she does where she attacks and then that resets her cooldowns. I feel like it's going to lead to a pretty active style. Like when I, I remember yeah. when I was watching people play her. Yeah. It, it seems to be like if you don't play her very actively, you're not getting the most out of her. But I think I said to somebody, I, it was kind of like she felt like Raven from the Teen Titans, you know, just the, all the shadow stuff she's throwing around and the weird monsters she's summoning. A yeah, little like, bit, yeah. See, yeah. Or or the darkness, Jackie from the darkness, kind of like conjuring up the, the, the glomp that bites people and so forth. So it's it's an interesting mix of stuff that she's got going on. But at this point, um, I think I'm going to throw it around to the next thing that's... This one's real polarizing, guys. So, yeah, we're just going to talk about it because, you know, I want to talk about it. Uh, Diablo Immortal got announced, the, uh, the, the mobile device MMO. Uh, that's what it is, guys. It's straight up, it's an MMO. It's a Diablo MMO that's just from for tablets and phones. And uh, people are... You know, some people really don't like it. Some people like think it's a betrayal. Some people think it's you know great. Most of the people I've talked to who got to play the demo at BlizzCon seem to like it a lot. Um, but you know, there are people who are diehard non-mobile players who don't like it. And I'll be upfront: I don't play a lot of mobile games. Like I, I don't like I. I managed to escape when Animal Crossing and and Pokemon got on mobile devices. I somehow avoided them, and that ain't easy. Because everybody was playing Pokemon Go for a while. And literally I, everyone. I'm still playing Pokemon Go, actually. Yeah. It's one of two games that are still on my phone. <laughs> my, my wife right now, my wife's gaming is Pokemon Go, Stardew Valley, and I think WoW. And two of those are on phones. I have avoided putting Stardew Valley on my phone because then I will never put my phone down again. Um, That's pretty much very, what happens. It's a you know very the phone... good game. It's a very good game. <laughs> The phone gives you an up, like it gives you a like weekly how much you've used X program thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I did that to my wife, she was like, "Oh God, I don't even want to look at this." And she looked at it, and was like, "Yeah, Stardew Valley." Uh, yeah. And apparently, like, there's some some quirks to it. Like, for instance, Stardew Valley fishing is terrible on the mobile device. It's actually really really hard. Well, it's problem. not much better on the PC to be perfectly yeah. honest. Although I haven't, I have not picked up Stardew Valley in a while. Um, and I and I deliberately have not picked up Stardew Valley in a while because it sucks you in and you think that you're not playing that much and then you look up and it's like, where did the last three hours go? Oh, whoops. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, for me, mobile games are not like something I'm really interested in, but it doesn't matter to me if I even play Diablo Immortal even once because... What they're going to be covering in the game, uh, I'm a, I'm I'm the the big Diablo lore nerd around here. I'm the guy who loves Diablo lore. I love looking it up. I love to, like talking about it, thinking about it, thinking about where it might go. And to be fair, to have... I do love Diablo lore. I'm just not 
as knowledgeable about it as you are. Like you're yeah. kind of like expert level and I'm kind of, you know, in that in between where I can talk about it, but yeah, the in-depth stuff, that's your, that's your. And for me, the idea that they're going to start five years after Diablo two and explain all this stuff that we didn't have explanations for and show us all this stuff that we didn't get to see. That's really cool to me. Like, and the thing is, is like at BlizzCon, they're dropping names that were pretty deep lore cuts. Um, like, for instance, uh, one of the characters, uh, Jacob Stalek, is the guy who back then, and this isn't a comic. They put this comic out when Diablo 3 came out. Yeah. Um, that Jacob and his friend, the mage, whose name is escaping me at the moment, but I, I put it in a in Know Your Lore. The two of them found Tyrael's sword, Eldruin, and were carrying it around. The guy was the avatar of justice while Tyrael was, was without a body. Uh, when Tyrael blew himself apart and he was not, he wasn't there. The sword was there, and this guy was wandering around committing acts of justice with it. Uh, and that's character they're going to have in the game. That's like a huge, that's a deep cut, guys. I mean, th- for me, that's the importance of Diablo Immortal. It's getting to see all this stuff that we just kind of had like a, oh, yeah, that happened 20 years ago. Like, you know, they rebuilt, a, they built a new Tristram. Have you ever wondered why they did that? Like, why would they build a new Tristram? The old Tristram did not end well. Why did we build a new one? Well, it turns out they built a new one to exploit the old one. The whole reason that Tristram exists was to go to old Tristram and loot it. And to go to the cathedral and loot it. And people have been looting that cathedral for a decade. Like, it took them, like, something like 10 years to use it all up, to 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 get everything they could get out of the, the top levels. And nobody wanted to go deeper because they There's get killed. There's still you know? stuff in there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's the, all this stuff is, to me, it's fascinating. I'm, I'm really into this, but I don't know. You should talk about what you, what you think when you're looking at it. Okay. To me, I couldn't quite understand why people were upset. I get it now because it's been a couple of weeks and I've had a chance to look over all of everybody's hot takes on the situation. And I get it. People wanted Diablo 4. They wanted a Diablo game for PC. Um, And I'm right there with you guys because I wanted that too. And I still want that. It's in development. It's something that they're working on. They're just not ready to announce it yet. Um, We were hoping that they would announce it at BlizzCon, even if it was just like a title screen or something or a logo. I don't know. Something like that. But we didn't get it. Excuse me. I had a cough. Anyway, um, that's disappointing. That's really disappointing. And what's doubly disappointing is if you're a hardcore PC gamer and you don't really pay attention to mobile games at all, and Diablo says, ooh, we've got something big to announce, and it's a new game, but it's on a system that you don't play. It's on a thing that you don't play, and it's on it's something you just don't have. It's not what you wanted. And I get it. I totally get it. At the same time, as somebody who does play mobile titles every now and again... I'm really excited about this. Like, I'm okay with sitting down on my iPad or my phone and playing some Diablo and smushing some demons. I don't play Diablo on any kind of, like, um, super invested level or anything like that. What I do when I play Diablo is I have been having a really bad day. I feel like smashing some demon faces in. Cool. There's a game out there for that. (laughs) And it makes me feel better, right? Um, That's kind of where I'm at when I play Diablo. I'm not like 
super invested in it. I don't play like hardcore mode or anything like that. I just log on every now and again, smash some things, loot some things, call it a day because that's just what Diablo is and that's what makes it fun to me. Just to me. Yeah. And I and I am going to like preface that that all of this is it's just strictly my opinion on the thing, right? I yeah, don't have but a problem. That's what we do here anyway. Right. I don't have a problem with a Diablo mobile title. I think it looks pretty cool. I think that like the gameplay footage and everything that we saw come out of BlizzCon, it looks great for a mobile title. The controls on it look fantastic. Um which of course they do cuz they're working a lot <sighs> I find it interesting that a lot of people were like, it's just a clone from one of NetEase's other games. No, it's not, you guys. It's like its own thing with its own storyline. Yes, the controls look almost identical to those other NetEase games. Well, why would you change those controls if they're functional and they're working? You know what I mean? Maybe that's part of the reason why they brought in NetEase in the first place was to go, okay, so we need to come up with some kind of UI interface that'll work on a mobile device for an RPG title. Do you guys have anything like that? And NetEase said, yeah, actually, we've got a few things in development. Let's talk about it. And came up with this screen thing that actually it looks really like kind of fluid. It might take me a little bit to get the hang of it, but it looks really fluid. You use your thumbs and, you know, kind of move around the screen. You can point the little targeting reticle at whatever you want. You can fire off however many abilities you happen to have. You can choose between them, that kind of thing. It looks good. It looks good. However, yeah. I'm going to I'm going to add a caveat to this. They have not said anything about how this game is going to be priced. They have not said anything about whether or not this game is going to have microtransactions or if it's going to be like a pay-to-play thing or how the monetization is really going to work out for this title. And when asked about it, they said, well, we haven't really gotten into that yet. We're still working on gameplay design and making sure that it feels as good as it possibly can. Cool. That's fine. I'm cool with that. But if they come out with this game and it's like every other mobile title that I played where it's like you can only play for a certain amount of time or, hey, you can play as much as you want for free, but if you want to get things done faster, you have to use the special currency. Oh, by the way, you can buy that special currency with money if you want to or we'll feed it to you in a slow, gradual drip over time. And um, Animal Crossing Pocket Camp does this to some small degree. Um, You get these things called leaf tickets and you can get them from completing various objectives in game or you could just flat out buy the things for real life cash. I have not bought anything in Animal Crossing um, and I refuse to because I'm not going to spend my money on virtual stuff. That's just not how it works, right? Um, Depending on how they implement this with Diablo Immortal, that's going to weigh really heavily on how much I'm going to like this game or if I'm going to play this game. And yeah, that's, that that's kind of where I'm sitting with it is, is it depends on what they do with it to market it and to monetize it. Cause there are certain boundaries and lines that I won't cross. And I think that there are lines that Blizzard won't cross, but I'm not sure. And until they give us that kind of business plan and tell us what that, I'm, I'm just kind of holding any reservations until I hear more about it for right now. It looks beautiful. The story sounds really cool. It's an area of Diablo lore that I would love to see more about. The fact that it's a multiplayer, but it's also like there's a storyline, there's like a plot line to play through and everything, and that I can do so on the go with my iPad or my phone. I'm cool with that. Yeah, as long as I I do agree with you on the microtransaction thing, and I've seen 
like like you know, I've I've said before, I've been playing a lot of Assassin's Creed Odyssey, and that's a game that has serious controversy about its microtransactions. I've not used them. I don't bother. I Which don't one? see any reason to. Uh, Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Oh, okay. It has it has a big deal with micro. You can actually buy XP boosts, and uh, you can just buy gold in the game. See, I've that just makes me either. frowny face. Like I'm actually yeah. frowning on the other side of my microphone here because I yeah. don't think that that. I think ideally the thing that works for me in terms of microtransactions, how Overwatch handles it. You can pay for loot boxes, but everything in those loot boxes, it's all cos- cosmetic items. It's nothing that's going to improve your gameplay. And I like yeah. it that way because then it makes it completely optional. And um, one of the things I one of the things I I know won't work for me for Diablo Immortal. One of the reasons I know I probably won't play it is that it's going to be since it's an MMO, it's going to be an always on game. Like, whereas it's always online, it's always connected to the internet. Right. And I love Diablo 3, but I don't like that it's always on because there are times I want to play Diablo 3, but I can't because the internet's down or because the servers are down because they have to do something or there, you know, there's, this is something I didn't, I never really wanted from a Diablo game. So that's a problem for me, but overall, it's not a problem that I'm going to worry about too much right now. Uh, but in general, I think it looks like a good game. So we'll see what happens. We should, um, there's still more stuff to talk about. My God, we haven't even gotten to World of Warcraft yet. Um, let's talk about Warcraft 3 Reforged because we have to. Um, oh my gosh, I didn't yeah. expect this. I expected no. if they were going to give us any kind of a Reforged announcement at BlizzCon that it was going to be Diablo 2. Yeah, I thought so as well. Um, but I'm not surprised they didn't because I would still not be surprised if Diablo 2 didn't show up as a Diablo 3 in-game the way they did the, the Darkening of Tristram. I would not be surprised if that ends up being the case. That would be because really cool. Because they're still... I'm going to mention up front, they're, they're doing a patch right now in Diablo uh, 3 called Patch 2.6.4. It's on the PTR. They have buffed pretty much every set in the game. It, 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 there's like every class has a set that got buffed, if not several. And the damage buff is like really huge in some cases. Pretty much every class. I feel like this is not the move you make if you don't expect people to still be playing Diablo. You know what I mean? What I mean? Like this is a this is a long term change that's right. that's adjusting class balance in a pretty significant way. I was gonna say it kind of that does a bunch of stuff to tinkering the balance. Yeah, and the other thing they did is they made it so you can't switch Paragon points while a Greater Rift is open, because people were actually switching their Paragon build during a Greater Rift. Like once they they were like killing trash and then they'd go and switch just to get to, like, better talents for elites. better and stuff yeah to, not just to solo them better to like to, to basically min max your way through the hardest rift possible and it meant you had to be like you had to like be switching on the fly while you were playing the game which is in, in blizzard's island not tremendously compelling gameplay you have to like know exactly what you're switching to and you have to be able to do it really fast while you're avo- you know avoiding instead of going out and finding more demons and killing them you have to basically sit there and avoid them until you get your talents all switched around uh, it's kind of annoying. So, yeah, they're 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 making that not work anymore. But all of that comes together to me to say that the Diablo three is going to be around for a while. Um, that they 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 do not expect. Oh it yeah, to go I don't think that they're soon. closing the doors on it or anything. I don't think but they're going to close the doors on it. That's there are still people why, out there that are playing Diablo two, aren't there? Yeah, but that's why I think you're going to see a darkening of Tristram type situation for Diablo three, Diablo two. I think you're going to see a Diablo two in Diablo three the way you saw Diablo in Diablo three. I would not be surprised if that happens, but I wasn't expecting Warcraft Three Reforged. And I mean, we've we neither of us was there at Blizz, BlizzCon, unfortunately. Uh, but we've had people there. We had people who got to play with it, and look at it. It looks astonishing. 
Like I, I, it looks better than World of Warcraft in some ways. Like I, this was not something I saw coming at all. Um, right now it's no, just... but I tell you what, as soon as it went to the dark screen and then it came up on the banners, like immediate goosebumps. I'm still getting goosebumps just thinking about it because I was like, oh, they aren't. Oh my gosh, they are. <laughs> like I, I, I recognized it, it like immediately, immediately recognized it. But what yeah. is they redid that they redid that cinematic with the with the infernal that falls while the orc and the human are fighting. And seeing the orc and the human still wearing the gear from the original cinematic, but now much better models, it was just throwing me so so hard to see that. I was like, whoa, this is this is so weird. I've always wondered what this would look like. This is just yeah. I, I don't I mean you you know how it plays. Uh, it plays like Warcraft three. I just if they're going to do that for all the cutscenes, because remember there were all those in-game cutscenes in in Warcraft Three where it's story. Oh gets yeah, told. oh yeah. So we're going to get all those with the new models and stuff. It's just like, man, that's that's something. I, and I find myself wondering if they're going to do like, you know, are all the like, are we going to get Reign of Chaos and the Frozen Throne? I hope yeah. so, because Frozen uh, Throne was like the best. Are we going to get the Founding of Durotar stuff? I mean, that was actually, like, that was in Reign of Chaos, but it was kind of not. It was, like, a, a bit after. So, yeah. It... Did you hear that apparently um, they're bringing in Christy Golden, and I think there's a few other people, but primarily Christy Golden, to kind of marry the old Warcraft 3 lore with present-day lore a little more clearly? Because there are kind of discrepancies between the two. Or there are points between the two that don't necessarily make sense. So I think what they're trying to do here is kind of flush it out and connect it together in a way that it hasn't been connected before. Did you hear about that? I didn't hear about it, but it's a good move. Yeah, I think it's an excellent move. There were some people who were like, no, you have to keep it the way it is. I'm like, broken? No, don't keep it broken. Go ahead, make a few little tweaks to it. If this is reforged, quote unquote then go ahead and reforge it to the best of your ability. And if that guys, involves tweaking things a little bit to make sure that it reflects current day or like ties into current day events and things a little more clearly, yeah, go for it. Do they it. They already did it with Chronicle anyway. Yeah, they did. Third volume, third volume of Chronicle already did this. All you're doing is if you is making the game match the stuff you just put out in a book. Yeah. It, it's It's already there and if you want the original warcraft 3 experience the way it was go play that we got that already you know i mean i think that to me this is also some some of the degree like why i want i don't want wow classic to be changed at all because that's what wow classic is for uh we have original warcraft 3 we didn't get rid of it it never went anywhere it wasn't like it wasn't like with classic wow where it got changed if you want the classic experience you can still have it so. I, I know that the demo is long over and everything, but did you get a chance to dink around on it at all? Never, you because didn't... I didn't. Get, I I didn't get it. Oh, okay. I only got, so we only got one virtual on... ticket okay. this year. Right. Only my wife did. I I watched my wife play it. Like I sat there right next to her while so she was how, playing it. I was how, like, "How did she do?" Let me put it this way: within five seconds, she was cursing the the dead spot. Do you yep. remember the dead zone from yep. Hunters? I mean, that's why I didn't play like, a hunter. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's like old school Westfall is just, you forget how much nothing there was in Westfall, how much just running across fields of, gra- of grain you did. 
to get from point A to point B. That that horrible Frobrow farm where you had to like go out and just kill and kill and kill trying to make soup farts. Just yeah, it's it's all there. It's exactly the way it was. It's, it's challenging and annoying, but it's also like. I'm not a nostalgic person, but even I was like, you know, you get that feeling. You know what I mean? Like you, you see old Westfall the way it was. It's not no big fountain of light shooting out of it. Everything is just the way it was. The 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 boards Sentinel are annoying. Sentinel Hill is just a hill. Yeah, I mean, it's just if if that's what you guys wanted, then there it is. It is what you guys wanted. I'm was, happy you get it. You know, it was interesting to me to go back and play a druid. Um, cause I had these memories of playing a druid where I remembered it was really painful to level a druid. And I was really lucky cause I had a friend who was playing with me and he was playing a warrior. So he would like kill things and I would heal him along the way because that was all I could really effectively do for a really long time. And it frustrated me like that class just frustrated me right up until about I'd say level 50 or so when I hit Ungoro Crater and then I had another friend of mine who was playing a druid who said no see you you need to like you're not you're not shifting why aren't you shifting into different forms I'm like because they don't do anything and they said and they were like no see here's the thing you can't just play in one form you have to kind of play in all of them I said, what do you mean? And then they took me on like this crash course school, like druid school. Um, and when I hang on a second, sorry, guys, I'm still getting over like a cold cough thing. So, yeah, um, they took me on this crash course through Angoro Crater. And I remember it vividly because it was the very first time that I enjoyed playing that druid, like really enjoyed playing the class um, because it wasn't. Druids and Vanilla, they always talked to them about them as they were like a jack of all trades, but master of none, right? So you could go in and do roguish kind of things in kitty form, but you were never as effective as a rogue. You could go in and you could kind of tank things as a bear, but you were never as effective as a legitimate tank, like a aka a warrior, because paladins just didn't do that, right? Um, and you could heal, but your healing was nowhere near as effective as a priest or a paladin right? So the kind of philosophy that you had to adopt in those early days playing a druid wasn't, I'm going to master one spec and I'm going to be the best balanced druid ever. It was, what do I have to do in this split second to survive? What do I have to do in this split second to continue to do damage? What do I have to do? And you shifted back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And it was really fast paced and it was really fun. But you don't get all those forms and you don't get all that utility until you are way higher level. So going back into Westfall at level, what was it? Level 10 that we started at level 15, something, I think we were level 15 on the demo. Um, you start out with bear form and a couple of balance spells and it's not great. If they had made it level 10, you wouldn't even have a pet. Yeah. Hunters didn't even get their first pet to level 10. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's just messed up. Like, yeah, the and... stuff that we... I remember playing a warrior, like, back in the day, you didn't get charged to level 10. It's like, now they give you at level 4. It's like, back then, you didn't get it to level right. 10. Right. So, your first 9 levels, you're just running at everything. And I can't imagine going back to old school hunter, because old school hunter, you have to, like, tame your pets, and then you have to feed them and keep them happy. You have to, like, carry your ammo around. There's, like... 
there's just a giant inconvenience factor that I completely forgot about because I've been playing the newer version for so long. Like, we've been playing post-Cataclysm longer than we've been playing pre-Cataclysm at this point, which is really weird to yeah. think about. It has but been it a was while. Still, it was still, despite this, despite this, and I, I don't want to come across as like an eternal complainer or anything, despite this, it was still kind of charming to go back to it all. <laughs> It was it was kind of fun to go back and like beat my face and go, oh yeah, I can't talk to any NPCs unless I'm out of bear form because they don't yeah. talk to animals. <laughs> and I forgot about that. Like, yeah, there were like that's... these little and and like you don't get quest markers anymore. You just have to read the quest text and kind of make your best guess as far as where to go to get that. There's no markers on the map that'll tell you where anything is. Nothing glows, nothing glitters. You just have to find it, right? Yep. And it took like a good, I don't know, probably like a good 15, 20 minutes or so of running around when all of a sudden something clicked in my head and I went, oh yeah, those guys, they're over there. I remember now. And I started running around and doing quests and going, yeah, okay, I remember where everything is. It took me a hot minute, but I remember where everything is now. <laughs> it was kind of fun, you know? Yeah, I, I think I will probably play it occasionally. I don't think I will like make a big deal out of it, but since it's going to be something I'm never I'll have to... just for my wow. Yeah, I'm never going to invest the hours in it that I invested no, 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 back at no. the onset when I had way more free time on my hands. <laughs> Getting to 60 was not fast. Oh, it took forever. People, I remember there were stretches of game time. And I played Alliance my first time through. Alliance had more zones. Straight up more zones to go to. If you're playing as Alliance, you have more options in, in vanilla. The Horde had a much more limited you know, leveling path. That's one of the things Cataclysm fixed. So if we're going back to classic, you're as your horde player, you're you know get used to these same zones all the time and get used to. There's a drought right around level twenty to twenty five. You just run out of stuff to do, and you can't. You're at like level twenty to twenty five, and you can't go anywhere. You remember when the leveling guides were out there and they're like, here's how to level really fast and wow and da 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 da. And there was always a section, particularly on Horde side, that was like, go to Desolus, kill buzzards for the next 45 minutes. <laughs> you should yeah. be getting Yeah, always. <laughs> yeah, because you you needed to get to like level 30 real bad. There, were, there to... weren't any quests in between. Like, there were nope. no quests in between. So they're like, just go find these guys. They'll give you lots of experience when you kill them. And you're going to have to kill probably about 45 to 75 of these things <laughs> yeah you you seriously were like you would be hitting like you were like in desolus but you were too low level to get the quests that the horde had in desolus yeah so you had to kill stuff to get up to the point where you could take those quests because you finished stone talon you had nothing left to do in stone talon and it's like well if you go back if you try going over the eastern kingdoms all the stuff over there is either lower level than this or way higher level than this so you got nothing you, you can't, you, you know, know, and as much as I complained about playing my druid um, when I was leveling my druid, I really did like it after I hit that level 50 point and had that druid crash course and figured out what the class was all about on a more kind of intrinsic level. I really enjoyed the class at that point. But when I hit level 60, I immediately threw up my hands and said, okay, I'm done now and went and rolled horde. And I made a Forsaken Shadow Priest because that was the most OP thing 
that anybody had ever seen and I didn't quite understand what OP was until I started playing that and I leveled through Horde side pretty dang quick because yeah that class race combination you guys spec is almost unstoppable and you should totally play it in classic yeah because they had the they had the <laughs> racial ability that worked mm-hmm. really well with the devouring yeah, plague yeah yeah and that, that's, people don't realize devouring plague was a racial it wasn't yeah a spell everybody had it was a racial ability that only undead had so yeah but um at this point we're looking like we got another 10 11 minutes and we've got a ton of world of warcraft stuff to talk about um yeah, so much. I don't think you know we'll get through half of it, but we, okay, we got to try. So uh, we know that in December, I think it's the 11th, right? Did, did they say exactly when? I think they said December 11th. For, I think it's uh, the 11th. Yeah. Patch 8.1 will be dropping. Um, that's Finally. We're, we're not going to immediately get the new raid. That's that's not going to – it doesn't come out the second the new patch comes out. But I we think will that get comes out after the new year, yeah? Yeah. That, they said, yeah, it's going to be a while. Yeah. Um. But the Warfront will be out, and there will be, like, various changes. They just hot-fixed in some changes to Old Deer, by the way, so those are already live. Um, but there'll, there'll be, like, the the, um, the new Warfront, the uh, the Night Elf Forsaken one, the, the Battle for Darkshore will be out. Um, that's, you know, I'm, I'm, I play Night Elves right now. That's what my character is. So I'm looking forward to that, just if no other reason, and to see what the gear looks like, and to see if it's suitably Night Elfy. I'm I've looking, looking forward to the story character. stuff because the story stuff sounds amazing. Yeah, I want to do the quest. The, the the quests that open up, the, the you don't actually have to do those quests to do the Warfront, but the quests that explain what's going on in the Warfront will be coming, and you can play through those. I don't think there's a level, there's a not, no item level requirement for those that I know of. I'm pretty sure there's an item level requirement for the Warfront, but they haven't announced what it is. Um, I would not be surprised if it's at least three, you know, it should at least be up where, you know, the the current Warfront is. I want to say 320, but I don't know if it's actually 320. I think it's 320 for the current one. If they made it 350 for the Darkshore one, then I'd be okay with it. Any higher than that, though. And then I'm going to really start swearing a lot about my lack of fortune as far as daggers goes. Because it's dragging yeah. my eye level down like, whoa. But there, um, that's happening. We're going to have... The, the new raid will eventually come. We've already seen some stuff from it. Uh, one of the things that gets me is, this is something I really feel needs to be pointed out, even though they pointed it out before. Um, both Alliance and Horde will eventually fight all the same bosses. You will eventually get all the bosses in Battle for Desert Lore, whether or not you're Alliance or Horde. The way that that's going to work is the Alliance starts on, like, you know, they hit Desert Lore, raid through the whole place. The Horde starts about three bosses in, and they're coming to defend those bosses. So the fights from their perspective are different. It's instead of the Alliance, you know, the Alliance are just attacking the Zarlor, the Horde are coming to save the day because the Zarlor is under attack. And each side gets to see the other side's three bosses through basically a mercenary mode like thing that flips your, you know, your, your, you'll be playing your Alliance character, but they'll be disguised as an orc or a troll it's or whatever. It's sort of like going into the caverns of time when you get turned into a different race entirely. Yeah. Which I think Except is kind of cool. This one actually switches your racial abilities. Like you actually get, like if you if you turn into an orc, you get their, their, you know, the blood frenzy ability. If you're turned into a troll, you get regeneration, stuff like that. So you actually do switch because you're technically, it's not you going to the caverns of time. It's you, technically speaking, you're not actually there. You're just hearing about the fight afterwards. 
So you're playing as the Horde characters that did these fights, and vice versa. The Horde show up, they, they get to play as the Alliance that are actually raiding the Zara lore. But everybody does eventually get to fight all the same bosses, just in a different order. And I think that needs to be said because people are like, oh, I don't care, I'm not even going to get to see Jaina. Yeah, you are. Alliance players will get to see the Jaina fight. You will get to see what it's like. Um, you will get to hit Heroism and then have Jaina Ice Block on you, uh, which I find just awesome. <laughs> I think that's. The I best think thing. that was like the coolest thing <laughs> when they announced that or when they mentioned that. I'm like, oh yeah, no, that's absolutely appropriate because she's not an idiot. And oh, I they're like doing the that. Fact, yeah. Well, what I like about this is that you know you're going to be fighting these notable NPCs or whatever, but those notice notable NPCs they are not stupid just because they're a raid boss. They 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 know you. They know you very well, and they know the heroes of Azeroth very well. I mean, we've been fighting alongside them for how long now? So it just makes sense for her to do that. And yeah, when I when I saw that, I was like, oh, that's clever and totally appropriate. So yeah, and it's people are already talking about ways that that might, that mechanic could be used to your advantage. Like for instance, you pop ice block to get Jaina to stop attacking you for twenty seconds, so your your healers can heal you up, or if you've got a player in the raid who gets, if you get too many players frozen and your DPS drops too low anyway, you might as well ice get her to ice block so you can turn all your DPS to breaking them out so that they're they're ready to go when the, when the ice block fades. It's a tactical so, thing, yeah. Yeah, so that's that's to me that's interesting. Um, and there's lots of lore to this thing, which we talked about on Lore Watch, so I don't think we need to go too much into detail. But just getting to see the story get to its midpoint, knowing that this isn't even midpoint. Midpoint's like eight point two. Um, how much do we want to talk about 8.2? Like, I mean, probably not a ton, except that we're aware of what's going on with it, and there's some big stuff coming. And I'm so excited because Ashar is finally, ooh, I'm dropping things. Ashar is going to finally be a thing. Yeah, Ashar is going to be a thing. I, I don't know how I feel about that because I don't want her dead. Like, I really hope that whatever her fight is, she doesn't die in it. We have been waiting so long for her to show up that if she died in that one single raid battle, it would be doing the character an immense disservice. And I don't know if they're willing to do that. Um, They did that with Fandral. I thought Fandral had all kinds of story potential and it never got tapped. He just got made into a raid boss and then he was gone. And I'm like, yeah, oh, you could have done so much more with that dude. You could have done so much more with him. And Ashara is one of those flagship bad guys where I'm like, I don't I don't even want to see her relegated to the course of like a Deathwing. You know, they brought yeah. Deathwing back and we were really excited about that. But then the storyline was kind of as far as he was concerned, you know, I don't yeah, want to see can... that either. I feel like to a certain degree that, yeah, that it would be really bad if if Ashara just comes in to be the, the, the end boss of a mid-tier raid. Because there's going to be another patch after 8.2, and there's going to be another patch after that. So yeah, this is an expansion that's going to be around for a bit. But I am still pretty excited to see that. I'm excited to see the other content we're going to get at the same time. Um, Mechaz- is it Mechazar? Like Mechazon? Mechagon. Mechagon, yeah. The 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 Robo Gnome Homeworld. Freaky steampunk gnomes. What the heck? Yeah. I can't wait to see what's up with all of that. So that's coming, and that's that was announced at BlizzCon. So yeah, yeah. That, there's, and of course the new uh, Goblin and Warger models are coming, which 
I like them, but I feel like they still they still need a little work. But they were works in progress when we saw them, so that's not surprising. I think that all we saw at BlizzCon were stills, and I want to see them in motion. Because I don't yeah. think that we're going to get a really good grasp on what they look like until we see them in motion. So, And one, one thing that was pointed out was that the stills didn't show eye glow. But no. you will be able to choose an eye glow for your worgen when you when you do pick what they look like. So there's overall, I still think they're improvements, though. I'm, I'm willing to say that they're, they're definitely improved, especially the female worgen model. Uh, I'm hoping they also dial back the sniffling, like guys. Please, yeah. can worgen <laughs> stop going <laughs> all the time? It's, it's the worst. Real fast. It's so bad. You know, I loved Wargan when they came out. I, I I only played one for like a week and I was like, okay, um, no, I can't do it. I can't keep listening to that noise. Please dial that back. Make that an occasional thing. Like once every 20, 30 minutes, maybe not the continuously. What's are you, do you have cold? What's going on, man? Seriously, blow your nose or something. Oh God. My, I have a, I have a dog in my house. She doesn't do that. She isn't sniffling constantly. Hi, but yeah, that's that's coming. We that looks pretty cool. That's like an eight point two point five, I believe they announced for the uh, Worgen and Goblin redesign. Goblin I redesign so, looks yeah. fine. Yeah, Goblin well, redesign I mean, just the goblins are just they're they're a little more you know high quality as far as the models go. They didn't look too terrible. It was the Worgen that really needed kind of a brushing off and an update. Um, yeah. the goblins were they weren't as expressive as you know later models were so they did need the update kind of sorta but the worgen in particular they just i don't know it's been how many years since cataclysm came out and the worgen never quite looked right yeah and it's been about eight years i guess yeah, yeah. not seven eight years yeah so yeah wow ah, let's not think too much about that but yeah there's there's a ton of stuff coming for a while they actually did a lot of announcements so you know there's and uh, I guess we're pretty much not going to get to any emails. No, it's okay, though, it's, because it's, we can get to emails next week. It's fine. <laughs> we missed a couple of weeks here, so we kind of had to catch up. And I think we did that. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, well, you know, Pilgrim's what Pilgrim's Bounty, is that what it's called? I can never remember what Pilgrim's Bounty is called. Pilgrim's Bounty is called that. Pilgrim's Bounty, uh, it's the yeah. one where you go cook a lot of food, and initially it was really, really good for leveling your cooking skill, but since they kind of revamped how cooking skill and everything works now, it's not exactly as as interesting a, 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 a thing to do as maybe it was in years past. However... You can get some pretty good reputation with various factions if you don't have those reputations maxed out already um, from the various capital cities. I believe doing turn-ins for each of those gives you a pretty meh, pretty good chunk of rep. So if you're still looking to max out your reputations with your like you know your capital cities, if you're on an alt that maybe you boosted and they didn't get those initial rep reputations or anything like that, um, this is a good way to go ahead and work on that and it's remarkably low stress because all you're doing is cooking things and ferreting them from one city to another, which I yeah. guess is okay. <laughs> we should also mention that the uh, 14th anniversary is currently in progress. Yes. Um, so 14. The 30... 14. Yeah. <laughs> 14. Yeah. 14th anniversary. 
Don't feel like old. Don't feel old. Don't feel old. I dare you. Um, Did but you yeah, get the corgi goggles? Because the corgi goggles are everything, and I wish they hadn't nerfed them. Yeah, they are pretty cute. What did they they nerf them? They nerfed it. It was when they came out with them. When no, when it came out with them, it was like I think it was like a thirty minute duration with a ten minute cooldown or something like that, and that was a mistake. And they flipped them the other way, so it's a ten minute duration with a thirty minute cooldown. Oh, so you can't be permanent corgi. So you can't. Yeah, yeah, you can't see everybody as corgis all the time forever, which kind of is sad because. Dang, it sure is cute. <laughs> I mean, this stuff's only happening during the anniversary anyway, so... Yeah. 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 But yeah, if you want to go kill the the uh, various world bosses from years past, like the Green Dragons and Kazak, you can go do that. Azuragos, I believe, so you can get Typhoon if you, or it's, some other models for things yeah, to Yeah, it's, uh, it's Azuragos and Kazak, and then the Green Dragons of Nightmare are also up. It's not all four of them up all at one time no it's it just rotates one it just rotates on i think it's like a daily basis it rotates which one happens to be up on any given day but if you have the quest in your quest log you can see which one is up and if you don't just like type dragons of nightmare into the group finder and it will tell you which one it is because a lot of people are doing groups for those um the dragons of nightmare are just as problematic now as they were back in the yeah, day. Yeah, because those mechanics those mechanics are never oh. going to be easy. Oh, they're terrible. Yeah. Azure Echoes is also kind of painful, but not on the same level. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Yeah. Well, that kind of wraps us up, I think. So we should probably wrap up the show here, huh? Yeah? You think? Mm-hmm. Okay. Blizzard Watch. It's made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzardwatch and your continued support means that this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads free site experience. Thank you very much, Anne. Uh, this has been the Blizzard Watch Podcast. If you have an email for the show, because we will start answering those again next time, uh, please send it to podcast at blizzardwatch.com with podcast or blizzardwatch in the subject line so we know it's for the show thank you guys so much for listening and we'll be here next week mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.